Welcome to What's the Word Downtown, a weekly podcast dedicated to mining the depths of the word, a word that's sharp and active in downtown Tyler, Texas. Join Eric, Matt, and Mike as we get the word out at Bethel. Hey, welcome to What's the Word Downtown. I'm Matt McGill. This is Pastor Eric Barton. And we are here to discuss what you just preached. Just preached. I mean, this should be some fresh material today. What is the word from Luke chapter 5? What's the word downtown? And really, um, here Jesus has said about his uh, healing ministry. Yep. Which does the healing ministry, am I to think of the healing ministry that precedes the teaching ministry? Or do they are they kind of lockstep? Or is there a, there is a sense, right, where the healing ministry stops at some point. Right. And then it, he begins to teach only. Right. Is that no? Just you're big right. Picture? There's there's a time where he's teaching, and he's confirming his teaching with the presence of sign and wonder, which is a very Old Testament prophet thing to do. Mm-hmm. You teach, your authority is confirmed from the days of Moses all the way straight through by the sign and wonder that you do. You teach, Moses would throw down his rod, it would turn into a snake. But then sometimes the Egyptian guys, they could do some pretty quirky things too. And so Exodus is very specific, Deuteronomy very specific on confirming prophetic teaching. And so Jesus would teach and teach and teach and teach. And then occasionally the gospel writers would arrange their content in such a way to say, say, look here, he's also teaching, but he's also doing these next worldly things by healing and bringing blessing in unexpected ways. So there's right. the way the gospel writers arrange it is really sort of the way they're developing their argument. Mm-hmm. And so Luke, Dr. Luke, yes, there are healings that take place in Luke, but that's kind of not his primary interest. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and here in Luke 5, you talked about uh, the man who here Jesus is, uh, is, is performing ministry, mm-hmm. uh, teaching, in Capernaum, where he More has his, likely, where yeah. he has his place, uh-huh. or it, it's not he, we, the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. Right. You seem to say maybe Jesus had a pad, but we don't well, know for sure. It might so have been Peter's mother-in-law. By the time he starts his earthly ministry, yeah. here's what we know about Jesus: Joseph has almost certainly died. His not his biological father, his yeah. earthly father, who had adopted him. So there is a legality there that takes place. Joseph has died. Jesus is the oldest. He's the firstborn in that household. He has other siblings. Perhaps they're still in Nazareth. We don't know. But he moves his base of operations to Capernaum. Mm -hmm. More than likely, he didn't have his own home in Capernaum. He could have, but he probably didn't. He might be staying with Mm -hmm. one of his, at this point, followers, Simon Peter, who we know there's a house there with his mother-in-law. Maybe it's that extended family. That's why we call it this, this insula. Maybe he's staying there in that little family complex. But it's a very close, tight-knit thing. We think of houses today with a great room and a big kitchen with an island. No, 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 no. The house was the size of most people's walk-in closet. Very tight. So this is the place where some men, because they couldn't reach Jesus, they, and by the way, this, this small vignette is just packed with applications. I mean, every time I hear this story, I think of the many, many times when brothers have cared for me enough to put Jesus in front of me, either by word, speech, you know, action. But, but I mean, it's, it's a very touching and, and I've, you know, Brunner talked about this 
passage a lot in one of the commentaries we looked at as just being so such uh, so illustrative of the kind of intercessory yes uh, uh, offer like we have an intercessory uh, availability like we don't just have to hurt for another brother we can take them to Jesus we can offer up Jesus we don't I mean yes we we hurt for another brother but what I mean is that we're not left alone without the solution to anybody's need, yeah. which is always Jesus. Yeah. So here is, uh, behold, the some men were bringing on a bed. Well, even then, I'm sorry. Just yeah, 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 please. Because I, I love that we get to do this in a yeah. podcast conversation because I didn't draw it out. Luke has been telling all of these things that are happening. And then in verse 18, he says, and behold, it's like he slaps the table and mm-hmm. goes, you guys, you guys, check this out. I mean, it's and, and the Greek is, behold. I mean, like, check, because there's been a lot of other things that have happened that we didn't get a behold from Luke. Mm -hmm. And so we tend in the church age, especially in the 21st century, to see a word like behold, and we kind of go, well, that's churchy Bible talk. Mm -hmm. But it's it's intended as an attention getter. And so Luke's really wanting to draw the reader's focus, specifically Theophilus, and then by extension us, to check this out. Look what this guy does. And you want to talk about intercessors? I mean, these guys are it. Yeah, these guys are absolutely yeah. it. So sorry. And they decide they want to bring him down and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way in to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. I mean, this is interesting too because, just symbolically speaking, you ascend the hill. Right, Jer- Jerusalem yeah. is the high place. Yeah. You go up to God. Uh, you know, on Mount Sinai, you know, that Jesus later will take them, take them up to the Mount of Transfiguration. But really, when we, when we come to Jesus, it's oftentimes a descent. Sure. It's a descent. The men are lowering him down into the place where Jesus waits for him to find the depths. Uh, Where he's got zero... (laughs) He's lifeless. He's lifeless. He's got no posture of awesomeness. Mm -hmm. Like, look at me, how... No, I was literally lowered through a roof. I mean, not the way I would have chosen to see Jesus the first time, yeah. but he's as low as he can possibly be. Now, mm-hmm. the other thing is, think about the people who are in the house. Yeah. So they're listening to Jesus talk, and they're riveted, I'm sure, listening to this guy going, we've never heard these kinds of things, or, or we've heard a shadow of it, but we've never heard it this fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And then like stuff begins to hit you in the face. Like literal, actual dust and material begins to fall out of the ceiling. You're like, what? what is going on? And you look up and suddenly you can see the sun as there's some dudes who have clawed open the roof. Like this is an unheard of thing in it's, Israel. It's like, the, it's like faith in action is a miracle in and of itself. It is. This kind of faith. I mean, nothing like this ever happens. They're breaking through the roof to get to him. Yep. He... he his power, his presence is, I don't want to say eliciting a need, but it's certainly eliciting a response to the perceived need. If he is who he says that he is, if he is that I've heard that he is, mm-hmm. if he is that I need him to be, mm-hmm. Katie, bar the door, we're getting in there. We're getting in there. And that's faith. Yeah. I remember the innocence of a young pastor me uh-huh. with my very young son at this super candidly super cheesy production 
at the Salt and Light Theater. I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud. In Branson, Watch Missouri. Out. Branson, there's a shout out. And I mean, it was it was so made up and so brash and just gauche and the whole thing. But at the end of this deal, it was a Noah's Ark performance. Yeah. And so there's a whole lot of eye roll and cringe of like, oh boy, that guy. That's there. I don't think Noah had that much gold lame. But anyway, yeah, you're like, having to ignore all of the details there, and just focus on maybe the big picture yeah, is being was, communicated to my And at child. the end, yeah. they do this really sort of like uh, Autobots, Transformers thing where the arc yeah. turns into the cross. Uh, which I thought, oh, that's clever because yeah. the cross is, in fact, an arc. The gospel writers will talk about that. It's the instrument of judgment becomes the instrument of salvation. All those things, which is great. Fine. But one of the actors, they bathe him in light and they clothe him all in white. And of course, he's wearing like a Woodstock. He looks like he looks like uh, one of the not. Uh, anyway, what Sigrid and Roy? He looks like one. I mean, he's like a total like wolf, but he's got the long yeah. hair and he got this badly pasted on beard. Oh but he's bathed in white and he walks forward and he says, "Hello, friends." I and before he could finish his sentence. My then five or six year old son on the second row screams out, Is that the Jesus that we worship in church? Yeah. Because if it is, I'm going. And we were horrified and thunderstruck with the beauty yeah. of that simplicity. He was like, Wait a minute, if that's him, hey, wait. He had no idea about theatrics and drama and staging all stuff. Mm -hmm. He just thought, if that's him, if that's then you can't stop me from going up to him because I love that guy. He was a six-year-old. The in theoretical the has become experiential. Absolutely. And so in the same way, you see these guys go, wait a second, wait a second. He's in Capernaum. He's here. And we've got our friend here, Lame Larry, who, but we will claw through the roof for our friend. And you get the sense of Luke's going, this is the kind of Jesus that he is. He's not this Conan the Barbarian brooding king sitting on a throne who is kind of deadly, kind of mm -hmm. cantankerous. No, if you can get to him, and you can, then amazing things are available. And so, look, he says, and when he saw their faith, right. he beholds this act not as the single need of a man, but the beauty of a people uh, who care for one another. Who care for one another and who realize... There is hope for this friend. We'll do whatever it takes to introduce this friend to that hope. Mm -hmm. I think Jesus was viscerally moved. I think yeah. he looks at them and goes, well, would you look at that? Man, your sins are forgiven. Man, he <laughs> like almost couldn't wait to just wipe his slate clean. We don't think of Jesus that way. But I think he just went, oh, my goodness, my me, yeah. right? Look at, well, would you look at this? And then he is happily interrupted bestows this blessing and then he hears the grumbling of the establishment going no 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 that's not okay because Jesus because, Jesus gets to the root right right he's not there to heal the man superficially he's there to from the inside out birth him birth his his own wellness that's if you it. will inside of the life of this lame man yeah he's not there just to resolve the temporal issues, although sometimes that's all we want with mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. No, he's bigger than that. Mm -hmm. He could have healed and fed everybody. He doesn't. What he does is he stretches the kingdom in and says, 
This is what it's like. And isn't this like, you know, they talk sometimes about the, you know, the new, new, new term on a lot of college campuses, microaggressions. <laughs> Intersectional microaggressions, yeah, but apparently. I, but I like, but I like um, it, this is like, there's, a, you know, the verse that says, um, for the joy set before him, mm-hmm. Jesus endured the cross. That's it. And That's it, the verse. There's a sense of like, this is a micro taking up his cross, right? He is yeah. beginning to, with every act, he's beginning to bring himself, for the benefit of us all, he's bringing himself closer to the cross. And when instead of healing this man's lameness, he forgives his sins, this is like a micro cross. This is like a big step toward what is his inevitable, not end, but beginning of but that's it. new life it, it for us all. It is indicative of the ultimate. Mm-hmm. So he could have gone around village to village, healing all of their sick, feeding all of their hungry, clothing all of their naked, releasing all of their captives, every single village, and, and not all and, died. Yes, but, but they, he would have saved himself from wrath by fixing their temporal needs rather than, yeah. you know? I mean, maybe. maybe. We don't know. But, but the point is, but he, he loved them more than that. Okay. He loved them more than just merely removing their temporal affliction he uses this micro instance to say, this is how the kingdom will go. And I'm the one. I, the fact that he's, I believe, been talking about the Son of Man from Daniel 7 and from Ezekiel. It's mentioned as 82 mm-hmm. times the Son of Man. Wow. And that he's saying, it's me. This is me. They were expecting this cosmic universal moment where globally the writer who is faithful and true bursts through the sky and instead, only a few shepherds got to see it in Bethlehem. But he's saying, it's me. You don't, you don't believe me? You're not sure? Watch. Get up, walk. And it wasn't like he had to really channel and focus. And, and this is what you're things. tying back to the, the uh, Old Testament, uh, not ritual, but habit. Uh, uh, or or when, when you are going to teach, you're also going to prove your authority you through to, healing. So substantiate it. Substantiate it. Otherwise, Jesus would have rightly been stoned by everybody in the house. But does he do it in reverse? He does. He does it in reverse, Because right? I think he's been talking about he is the Son of Man. He's already announced himself uh-huh. back in Nazareth as the fulfillment of Isaiah 61, which, by the way, we, we, we just can't get our heads around the enormity of what he claims when he says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. Yep. That's back in Nazareth. They want to throw him off a mountain. Like, I've been mad at some people in East Texas. I've never had the moxie to go, you know what? I'm going to have to go throw you off a mountain. You can't live and our faith be, like, our, you have to be. Yeah, those two things cannot coexist. Right, right, right. What you've just said, I mean, candidly, if someone walked in here and said, I am the Messiah, it's the second coming, I'm here. I I said, let me show you the rooftop. Pretty much. Before I show you the street. (laughs) In that order. Yeah. And so they were completely undone. And so he understands that. He knows what he's claimed in Nazareth. He's claimed it in Capernaum already when in a synagogue. He says, hey, out to the demon-possessed man. And, I mean, no one argues with that. And so now here again, as he just forgives this man's sins verbally, Mm -hmm. not even like a knowing wink and a glance of, Mm -hmm. hey, bro, you're good now. No, the first thing he does is your sins are forgiven. I mean, that is a record scratch in in the ministry of Messiah where that's crossing the proverbial Rubicon. Yeah. Like, you've just claimed to be God, and he has. And so they're like, wait a second. Unless you also then heal the guy, 
and then this guy must be God. Well, let me ask you this because the and I know that the that it's probably not my business exactly how God works upon me in any sort of <laughs> final way, but it's sort of an it's sort of like what happens. I mean, when we receive Christ, we are instantly forgiven, but we're not instantly healed. Correct. Sometimes the healing rolls out of the knowledge of and the birth of forgiveness from within. Yeah. And we see something like that happening in a sort of a little vignette here. I wonder what the man thinks when he hears, my sins are forgiven. Now, we can't imagine what this man's life was like or what, right. I mean, you know, or or. or the depth of the sin or how you even said, you know, it could have been that his, his lameness, if that's the way to say it, was somehow an outworking of deep and twisted sin. Or of his or maybe even his parents, his parents. which is even more horrifying. Who can say? We right. don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus purposely forgives the man's sin to create the, to first create, uh, I don't know if he does it. Well, he, he's certainly knowing all things. He knows he's going to create a big uh, conundrum, if right. you will, in the eyes and and in the hearing of uh, the Pharisees. Yeah, you know, here's here's the other thing, and I've wondered about this. Yeah, and I don't know the answer to this. Yeah. But as I've read this passage in Luke and in other gospel accounts, Jesus first forgives the man's sins. And I've often wondered, did the man understand like really what that meant, what that entailed? Maybe, maybe not. Text does not say. But then Jesus says, so that you will know that the Son of Man has authority. Rise, take your bed, and go home. You know that felt amazing. Sure. And so was it that amazing feeling that then amplified the prior event of the forgiveness of sins where he goes, I've just encountered the Creator God. Like, and I don't know, did he, mm -hmm. did, did it, did he kind of go, okay, my sins are forgiven, but I'm really not that bad of a guy. I'm just lame. Maybe, I don't know. I feel like he was carrying some tremendous burden that Jesus saw to and through, but then the healing of him physically was just sort of a emblem, a, a sign of the catastrophe that he was as a life. Well, I don't we know. just have to remember that he, this man lame as he was, was cut off from the life of God to heal him. He was. He was not able to go to temple or anything else because he couldn't, he couldn't move around. He was so unclean. So the, 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 the deep acceptance of your sins are forgiven is like something like the curtain being ripped, as it will be later. That, that, that which cuts off this lame man from the life of God is now erased. Your sins are forgiven. The man may still go, yeah, but I can't walk. But ultimately, if he thinks very long, which it looks that we don't really get this, but if he thinks very long, he realizes, if my sins are forgiven, then there's nothing that separates me from God. That's right. Which means his healing is available to me. And here he is in, in, in the presence. Which you know, I'm in his presence. It's exactly right. And I'm glad you said it that way. Again, that's another indicator of the, the age being pulled over into the present. No longer do you have to make the schlepping trek with your livestock to temple and that something die again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Now you're walking around because the sacrifice has been made. You have life. You have mobility. You have interactivity. You have relationships. You have community. All those things because that's the restoring work that Jesus does. And before you can walk, you have to sit. You have to sit in the forgiveness of 
of Christ yeah. before you can walk because your walking is emanates from that source of true and abundant and everlasting and unending life. That is, we have God with us always in Christ. And I mean, it, it, what's what's so cool is how he ties Luke ties this next. Oh, to Levi. Well, so you got a guy who should be helped but cannot be. And you transition and pivot to a guy who should, should not, not be helped, helped, but will be. I mean, mm. you got these two guys. Like, yeah, okay, you're a paralytic. But what's even worse is a guy who, by his own choices, has brought shame and disgrace upon himself. Know anybody like that? Yeah, yeah, and for so sure. And so you're like, sure, you can hear a paralytic, but you can't turn around this jack wagon of right. a traitor. He is the Benedict Arnold of Benedict Arnold's, except that Benedict Arnold did his deal like once. This guy does it on a daily basis, and he sticks it to your aunts and uncles and your neighbors. Yes, and as systemic is the wounded lameness of the man, is Levi, Matthew, Levi does not exist as a tax collector without the systemic brokenness and the interwoven sin that is the occupation of Roman Empire. Right. The money, I don't want to say money grubbing, but I mean, this guy's a hustler. You sure. hate, don't hate the player, hate the game. I mean, he's a survivor. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying he was not a dirtbag. He probably was. He probably worked against his conscience. If he was raised in the in the in the uh, in the tribe of Levi, he probably had priests all around him growing up. Who knows? I mean, this is in the intertestamental period, so we don't know. You know, maybe his family had just given up hope and said, "Hey, just get yours as well to getting us good, yeah. Matthew or Levi. Get on out there and yeah. you know." But but what what Christ's Christ is there to address the personal, but only to address the personal as unto the social. That is to say, he saves the man and then sends the man into the system to revive, to be a part of the revive. Do you see what Bingo. I'm saying? I'm trying to say No, no, it, no you're but, exactly right. Christ yeah. did not come to obliterate social systems yeah. in the immediate term. In other words, right. neither Christ, nor Paul, nor Peter, nor the writer of Hebrews, nor John, mm-hmm. nor Luke, or anybody else says, we're dismantling slavery in the Roman Empire. Full stop, it's now over. That would have destroyed the Western world as we know it. I mean, a third of the population was in slavery. As horrible as slavery is, that's not what they do. In the same way, Jesus is sort of addressing this guy who, let's call it what it is. Society hates this guy. Society produced this guy. Society created this guy. Now, we can get super... mm, penetratingly clear in the 21st century there's a lot a lot a lot of things that we dislike about what's happening in our society look in the mirror yeah our society produces the very things that we vilify and hate and it's that guy that jesus says follow me and just just like just like the man just like the man had to go down into jesus i mean that's how deep down into the systems jesus seeks to penetrate yeah to, to see, have his presence injected within the broken and to begin to enliven right. with his presence. Right. And so what you see is Jesus does not, with the word, obliterate the system or the infrastructure of tax collecting. No. He has a tax collector. Uh, this actually gets me. He has a tax collector host a party for tax collectors. Yeah. Now, I need a king and a God-man, Lord, like that, who could come in and just, with a shrug, obliterate But he doesn't say, thing. bring all the tax collectors here, all of your money, we're going to take it and give it to the poor. Doesn't have to. 
He has a guy who has had a legitimate transformation. And that legitimate transformation, not unto the burden of a sloggery of obedience and legalism, but an actual transformation that knows and loves Jesus. That becomes, if I may, a viral infection that begins to actually inst instantly infect other tax collectors. You can't affect tax collectors unless you are one that's been transformed. Mm. And so what Jesus does is so marvelous. We, we have a tendency in the West to run past these stories and go, yeah, 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 but what next? But what next? But what next? Mm -hmm. But no, look what he's doing. All under the program of the Father, the guidance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, because this man, this man was completely submissive and yielded to the Lord, to the Father, and the Spirit. And he's saying, and this is how it will be for you as well. I'm the bridegroom, you're the bride. This is how it's going to be in your lives for all eternity. Now, that's good news. That's way better than, hey, you make it across the bridge in the afterlife and you're not obliterated. That's not a gospel. This is a gospel. Mm -hmm. And it's showing also that God, that God in Christ cares about the body. He does. He cares about the physical and he cares about the economic. And he cares about the social. And he is... Can we push it one step forward? Please. He even cares about the experiential. Mm-hmm. He even cares about the entertaining. I mean, Jesus is at this guy's party. This tax collector is throwing a party, and he didn't hold back. When he partied, he had opulence and wealth. And Jesus, you get the senses, is reclining at table laughing with these broken, vile traitors, and he loves them. And all the while drawing them to himself. All the while, yeah. Not compromising his character or his integrity, of course not, but that's instructive. And then... Of course, answers the those who were getting on him about that with this famous quote saying, "Those who have mm. those who are well have no need of the physician, yeah. but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." It, there's an old adage: "It feels good to get caught," mm. and only the righteous are the only the those who know they're not righteous can ever have that sensation. Mm -hmm. Only those who know they're not righteous can have the, the experience of being caught and forgiven. Those who think they've got it all regimented and figured out and behaved properly, you, they'll, they'll never be caught. They'll never, they've never done anything wrong. But they and Jesus actually know better. And so Jesus is saying, those who are bankrupt and bereft of righteousness, those are the ones... The down, the down, the down and outest. And oh, by the way, the up and outest as well. But the out, those who know they have no righteousness of their own, those are the ones whom Jesus comes. Mm. Wow. Are we going to stick around in uh, in chapter 5? Yeah, Lord willing, week? we're going to, whoa, such a great text. We're going to finish chapter 5, Lord willing, next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. where we're going to talk about new wineskins and new patches. and Nice. Basically... Do not put an, a new person in an old system. It never works. So That's we'll right. talk about that. That's right. At all. Well, I can't wait. Thanks, Pastor. Appreciate you. Thanks, Matt. We'll see you all next week on What's the Word Downtown, but first, 10 a.m. Sunday morning. God bless. Bye now.